0: Moncrief on News Talk,
1: Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
0: Yes, clinical psychotherapist Joanna Fortune joins us to answer your parenting questions. Joanna, how are you? I'm good, I'm good,
1: Tom. Happy New Year. Happy
0: New Year to you too. The strangest uh, new year in living memory, I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of done saying things are strange because it's just one strange thing after another strange thing after another strange thing at the moment, isn't it? it's
0: going to have to be a point where the strange stops and then we all look back at it and go... Wow, lads, what was that?
1: I think that's the shared hope, isn't it? That we're coming to a phase or soon coming to a phase where it's about looking back and that we can keep looking forward. Um, and see what what lies ahead. I it's hope been it gets a tough, here it's soon. It's been a tough two years. It certainly yeah. has.
0: Um, we were talking about housing. I just wanted to read um, two texts on that before we go to you. Tom, I bought a, a derelict building in Dunleary eight years ago. It was a, a lot of work, but now I live in a large apartment over a shop with views of the harbour and earn an income from the shop below, also with shops and restaurants all around. I no longer need a car. Buying a shop in Dunleary to live overhead can be cheaper than buying a house in the area. Isn't that mad? That's amazing. Uh, and yet I kind of, I understand it as well and then somebody going through the, the policy for a shortcut. Um, this policy that we were talking about is full of holes. and will add 30 grand to the price of these mostly damp, dark, crumbling piles of trouble. Not to mention the of the current transport policy of the force will in cars and most will not, it will have to drive. Most of these houses are vacant as a result of the poorly thought out fair deal scheme of guess who? Fianna Fáil and the PDs. Uh, more waffle from the body politic. Well, Michael, I'll still say it's 183,000 houses around the country that are either vacant or, or derelict. Mm. And if you got half of them back into action, mm. that would make an absolutely huge difference. Right. Joanna, are you ready to go? <laughs> I'm
1: ready. Good. Um,
0: this is an odd one for you to begin yeah. with. Um, we were getting a takeaway in a fast food outlet last week and my son asked, could we sit down? I am not vaccinated, so I asked the manager, could I sit down with him? Uh, I said I would not eat anything and remain masked, but we were not allowed. My son was devastated with tears in his eyes as we were leaving. He asked me, why do people hate us and treat us differently? I tried to explain it to him, but it would not make him feel any better. I'm not sure what to do. He has been very down since. It's not the first time I've not been able to bring him places. I'm worried about the emotional damage this is doing to him.
1: Oh, it's a lot of worry in this, isn't there? You know, layers of worry. And I think the bit that jumps out for me is that you, you feel you could not make him feel any better. And I think that's so natural as a parent that we want to have that power, don't we? That capacity to make our children feel better. But hard as it is, the task isn't to make him feel better, but to stick with him in challenging difficult feelings and help him to make meaning of what's going on and find and feel his way out of them. That's where the life lesson is, regardless of the circumstance or the setting or the conditions that are underpinning the feeling. Stick with the feeling. Now, you don't say how old he is, but as with any questions from our children, my message is always, look, try to answer them in an open, honest, but developmentally appropriate way. Always sticking within the parameters of what is asked, because sometimes our children ask us something on any given topic. We hear the topic or the theme like a keyword yeah. in our head. and We go, right, here it is. Here's the discussion. And we give them way more information than they asked us for. So stick with the question. And really, and particularly in this instance, given the, you know, how he presented this to you, attune to the feelings that are underpinning the question. You know, in this instance, it might be disappointment or it might be sadness, but stick with those feelings for him and acknowledge them. You know, I can see that you're disappointed. I can see you're confused. I can see you're frustrated, whatever it might be. And then, you know, once you've acknowledged that in a really empathic, genuine way, then redirect as best you can to what you can do. And I'm taking this idea of takeout food and the idea of restaurants and sitting in. And what you could do is we're going to take this food home and be really, you know, positive about this. And we're going to create a restaurant at home. We're going to lay out the table and put out, you know, the plates and the cutlery and all of that and have a little menu drawn up and, you know, do it in a way that the food then comes to the table on the plates. And it's almost like you're depending again on age because I don't know how old this child is, but you could role play out a restaurant or make it exciting that the takeout is coming home because you're going to have a takeout picnic at home and that could be that you lay out a blanket, you all sit on the floor and you make it a a fun experience that also kind of celebrates coming together around Mm -hmm. food and enjoying each other. So I just think no matter what the topic is, stick with what's asked of you and also really attuning to the feeling, emotional state that's underpinning the question because that's what we need acknowledged. Not just what we're asking but how we're asking it, what's underpinning it.
0: Is he not going to follow up though and and ask why are we being excluded from here? And is that not going to put her in a position where she's going to have to explain her her position? Yeah, and on I'm reading in this
1: that maybe I've inferred that you know that she has or he, this parent, he or she has tried to explain it already, but that the feeling is what's lingering. He, the child, is just not feeling better in in spite of getting some explanation. And I think when we're, ex- again, because I don't know the age of this child, but you know, you can explain things without going down a rabbit hole of too much detail you know Mm. give a little information see how that sits that might be enough to satisfy a child's question if they want to know more then they'll ask you more based on what you've said and it might be about you know there are new rules in terms of how we eat in or out and this is just part of the new rules and that's honest it's truthful but you're not going into too much nuance or detail either unless you deem your child is ready for that kind of
0: detail and can make sense of it and make meaning of it in which case it will be I imagine quite a long conversation Um okay I hope that is a help there the next one is also COVID related and this is one I think uh, families all over the country are going to be able to identify with my family had uh, really bad luck over the last few weeks with Omicron just before the Christmas my husband tested positive for COVID-19 which resulted in the whole family my husband myself and our four kids having to isolate in the house over the Christmas. My husband was confined to the spare room. As we were getting closer to the date that we could end our isolation, my daughter tested positive as well. That was on the 27th, putting that date back to early January. At this point, I considered just letting her wander around the house as usual, but I couldn't bring myself to risk the rest of the kids despite the massive strain that having all of us cooped up together in the house and being dependent on people from outside to bring us things we needed uh, was putting on the family. For me personally, the Christmas was very challenging as my husband couldn't help like he usually would it had been terrible but the light at the end of the tunnel was coming until I tested positive yesterday yesterday I feel so drained by this and it feels as if we're being punished for adhering so strictly to the rules the kids are losing their minds and I don't know if we can handle another week of this how do I keep them sane and should I give in to my urge to just go out into the rest of the house and at least help my husband keep things going
1: Oh my goodness. I, oh I Tough. think there's a lot and, and of families say, who can relate to this I've seen type of Christmas.
0: On social media from people and, and they they are talking about their their positives seem to be coming eight days apart. It I just know, seems it's like a tag team, yes. isn't it?
1: And it just prolongs that period and just I'm just feeling a wave of exhaustion. Out of this letter, isn't it, you know, and that's not even taking in that exhaustion fatigue can be a symptom of of COVID as well. I mean, an emotional exhaustion that this, you know, the end is coming. Oh, my goodness. No, it isn't. Um, It just yeah, it's just reading like a COVID tag team here, you know, unfortunately. And I'm wondering as I read, you know, maybe it's time for this parent not to be on. In terms of COVID tag, it's their time not to be on. It's their time maybe to tag in the other parent, to tag in somebody else while they allow themselves time to be sick. You know, yeah. I think we can be really bad at that as parents. Hard,
0: hard thing to do those new, when you've Very four hard. kids and you can hear it outside your door and you know what's going on.
1: And I think that's why isolation is, I mean, it's difficult for anybody. Don't get me wrong, but it's particularly difficult. And again, I don't know the ages of these children before young children. And, you know, look, I could just get out there and sort this out and help and do it. But you've got to listen to your body as well. You know, you th- this parent has been running, running, running. Now your body's telling you you're sick. Yeah. You're not well. Shut down. And you have to listen to that and take care of yourself. It's one of the best things you'll do for your family is to take care of yourself so that you can recover from this in as timely a fashion as possible. And hopefully you won't feel too wretched with it all. Um, But the focus needs to be on recovery as well. I think in terms of... You know, that's all well and good. You can lock yourself in a room. It doesn't mean it will be peaceful. It doesn't mean it will be relaxing. I do want to emphasize that you're locking yourself in a room because it's quiet and there will be chaos and pandemonium outside that you hear. So it's not about I'll just check out and relax. Great news. It's not like that at all. It's just really about prioritizing your own physical wellness as well so that you can get back out there. In terms of what goes on in and the reason I think this is so relevant to so many families have run this gauntlet, haven't they, over Christmas? Um, That, you know, look at structure, okay? And always remember when, and I mention structure quite a bit when we're talking about how to set things up because structure brings a flexibility and adaptability that this needs, doesn't it? It's not about, you know, rules and, you know, rigid routines. It is about that flexibility and adaptability. And it might be, and again, not knowing the ages of the children, that you have a kind of activity station idea. Now, Schools are opening back up. So some of the structure is going to quite naturally kick in this week and next week for or next week, likely for this family um, for you. But what you want is kind of I'm going to call it a regulatory roller coaster so that you've got waves of activity. For everyone in the house, because you think, look, and lots of people would say, slap the TV on and just go with it. There's only so much that will get you through because boredom will set in that low level of stimulation isn't going to sustain all kids, particularly the young ones who need physical activity Mm -hmm. and movement. So it's going to be about mixing up some indoor activities, outdoor activities, arts and crafts, jigsaws and reading. And it can be within the structure that you set up times like a timetable. You know? absolutely and you're saying now it's jigsaw time oh yeah. there's the bell for that now we got to go outdoors okay we're going to run around play tag if you've a garden great get outside and use it you know okay now we're indoors we're doing something else and you've got these waves of activity that are mild moderate and high level and that's really about ensuring that there's enough emotional regulation going on for everybody in the day tied to their physical regulation i think structure is going to be your best friend here and i'm not saying it's a magic solution i just think it might ease some of that inevitable kind of lack of stimulation at this stage because this is going on since you know a week before Christmas for this family that's a lot of cabin
0: fever yeah. And dare I say, would you be would you be uh, lightening up on some of the rules around screen usage, for instance?
1: Absolutely. Flexibility yeah. and adaptability is literally what it says. And, you know, you can be creative even with that, Tom. You know, we think sometimes, and as parents, we all get oh my gosh, we've put on the TV and they've been watching, you know, I think I've seen Encanto maybe five, <laughs> six times over, and it was only released on Christmas Eve, <laughs> you know, so I think I sing those songs in my head at night. But there's ways of doing it that you can make it a bit more engaging. You can pick a scene from it. you can draw it out, you can pick a character, you can role play the character, you could say if you were the director of the movie. What would you cut out and what would you put in? Let's draw the new scene. How would that change the ending? If you could make up a new character to put in, what would that character be? So you can make engaging activities around the screen time, which will offset that and keep that connection and that intersubjective piece there. And it also, yes, it's fine. Sometimes we need to use screen time. These are exceptional circumstances. There's no roadmap for how do you do three to four weeks. Of isolation, no, like it, it's there weird. Isn't, You make it work. Whatever works for you is okay.
0: Yeah, I will say, having had two uh, children on lockdown for uh, pretty much all of Christmas, yeah. their um, their creativity in passing the time themselves is unbelievable. But that's a
1: really good point because, you know, one of the things I often think that we don't, any of us, get enough of in our day to day lives is the opportunity to be bored, you know, because we've got these little devices that are constantly stimulating us and keeping us, you know, fueled with streams of information. But if we can embrace boredom, out of boredom, you know, that free floating state of attention that boredom allows, comes desire, comes ideas, comes creativity. And that's really, really important. And I think children with some structure will find their own excitement and stimulus within that
0: yeah uh, my my wife was the last one to go positive, and uh, my daughter sent her a whatsapp list of things to do.
1: Oh, that's so <laughs> nice, <laughs> isn't it yeah that's creative you, you
0: couldn't invent I mean as you looked at the list, you thought there won't be enough hours in the day yeah.
1: to do this <laughs> I'm going to need an extra few days yes. of isolation so, to fit them in <laughs> um
0: one listener Rachel says, what if the kids are so fed up you can't motivate them like mine.
1: Yeah and also let's own some of that Rachel as well because and I put myself in here too that you know our own motivation can can lag in this too and our children will take their lead from us if our energy is ebbing low it's going to be hard for them to feel excited when we go how about a jigsaw you know yeah. it, we have to yeah. kind of believe yes. what we're saying <laughs> and some of it is about you know can you fake it a little bit. Yeah. Um, now don't go over the top there's no acting awards here but you know fake it a little bit so that hey and give them choices if that's the case because I think it's a good question so give them some choices about you could do a b or c now as a parent make sure you're happy with them doing a b or c they get to pick so it's their choice they've got ownership on it so you could have a kind of an activity little bits of paper with suggestions on it scrunch them up put them in a bowl or a jar let them pick one out and do what's on the list
0: Maybe give them something to look forward to as well. That this will yeah. end and that period of and isolation will how will you celebrate will end. the ending? And yeah, We may be having a Christmas tree up and maybe around January the 16th Nothing wrong with that could easily be the day for that I'm dreading
1: taking mine down I'm tempted to keep it up It feels (laughs) like I didn't get
0: the use out of it I suggest to that parent to try his best you can't stay positive in the correct Mm -hmm. sense of the word it's been hard take it easy on yourself and perhaps if you feel up to it try and do things that you enjoy and encourage the kids to do the same Um, if they are focusing on their favourite activities it'll help to pass the time it is a bit of that it is is get through isn't it and
1: find opportunities for joy and that could be playing music that helps you move a bit and just sparks joy and you, not watching the darkest, you know, murder shows, binge watching on, on Netflix or whatever, but actually watching something comedy, something light, something that's going to give you an opportunity for laughter, because that's also just going to make you feel a bit better about it. But I think that's right. Just give yourself permission to feel how you feel. You know, you're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to feel miserable and fed up with this. And if you give yourself permission to feel that, then you know that you can move beyond it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, January 25th. We'll take that as the, the, the new date. For I know. I know. New,
1: fakeness, I think, from <laughs> yeah. I read someone I like someone the sound. I'll, I'll go along with that. Yeah.
0: Um, if you have questions for Joanna, afternoon at newstalk.com is the email address and it's always great to hear from you. We'll have a quick break and more questions after this. You're very welcome back. Tom, am with you standing in for Sean today on the Moncrief Show. Emails to afternoon at com, or you can send a text to 53106 or tweet me at Tom Happens. Uh, Joanna Fortune with us uh, for our parenting slots? So our next one, I hope it's a bit lighter now. It seems lighter to me. Um <laughs> My six-year-old boy got a Spider-Man costume from Santa. Since then, I think it's been fair to say he basically is Spider-Man. He's gone full Daniel (laughs) Day-Lewis method actor and is inseparable from the costume. Even when he's having a bath, it's a pain getting him to take it off. He even narrates about how Spider-Man doesn't reveal his identity. At first, this was very entertaining but he's a nightmare now and I have to try and take it off him. How do I get him out of it and out of character before he gets back to school without ruining this Christmas present that he loves so much?
1: I mean, well done, Santa, on a great gift. It's been very well received. You know, the spot on gift for a little Spider-Man and he's having so much fun with it. And you know, it's at six years old, they're really in that stage three developmental play which is all about role play. And you know, it is about becoming characters, immersing yourself in what you imagine to be the experience of someone else. You know, that can be playing teachers or parents or children or doctors and patients and it can be yes. superhero play it frequently is and you know so this is really appropriate type of play and it just sounds like he's getting so much joy out of it and that's all great but yeah he got to go back to school <laughs> and after a certain amount of time that costume was going to start smelling so I totally get the challenge with that so I wonder you know if as parents you could reach out to Santa or indeed Spider-Man himself and ask if they could write a letter um, you know just reminding what an idea, but just reminding the little guy that you know all superheroes have their regular clothes in their regular day-to-day things like work or school. They don't get to wear their costumes all the time. Just reminding him of that because he might have forgotten. He has to be Clark Kent some the, of the time. Ex- that's exactly it. So, you know, and I, I won't even pretend to know what Super or Spider-Man's alter ego or real person. Clark pers- Kent. Spider-Man? Yeah, no, Superman, I oh. think. Now, God, you say, you're right, series. you're right. I God, don't know Spider-Man no, is, I don't know but I think it was someone else. But, you know, that just reminding him that, you know, we got to wear regular clothes to be regular people some of the time and then we get to be superheroes at special times. And adding in a line that all superheroes have laundry day as well. Because they don't want their costumes to be stinky because then people would see them coming because they'd smell them. And that's really important that the costumes stay fresh. So I think I would just reach out and outsource this to Santa or Spider-Man to write a letter that can arrive in the post, very formal, and just explain this. To your son. Can you imagine and the joy
0: of getting a letter in the post from so Spider-Man exciting. with all webs on the front of it? You know.
1: Absolutely. Oh, no. Go as creative as possible, because um, I know Spider-Man <laughs> would send a very special letter. Yes. And I think that that's the best way, because if you get into a battle about this, that's what it is. It's a battle. And I think it's just, you know, because you don't want to ruin the excitement of it, of course. But it's just about reminding that, you know, there are serious parts to our day, too, that require a different costume.
0: <laughs> and, and some degree of cleanliness.
1: Exactly, yes. exactly. All superheroes do laundry. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, great. My next one is uh, a 14 year old. My 14 year old daughter is scarily concerned about her appearance. Unfortunately, she frequently has breakouts and is horrified by the spots on her face. She says they make her look ugly. I don't encourage such negative self-talk uh, and often remind her that beauty comes from the inside, but it doesn't seem to be enough. She then pops the spots on her face, which makes them even more angry, which upsets her even more. How can I stop this cycle? and help her perceive that her worth does not come from her appearance.
1: Oh, it's really hard because, of course, you should keep that up and that messaging. But don't forget that as a parent, you are competing with a multi-billion dollar beauty industry that counteracts that message, you know. Um, so it and also at her age, there is that folk, that increased focus on appearance and not just my appearance, but how I perceive Others are perceiving my appearance. So it's it has that double layer, that double edge, you know, what the peer group think. And again, don't forget, it's what I imagine, what I perceive my peer group are thinking. It matters way more than what Mm. parents are saying at that age. It doesn't mean you shouldn't say it, but just manage your expectations as to how it's going to land. And the fact that she is so concerned about her appearance, you know, it's it's hard. It's a struggle. It's a challenge. But it is developmentally something we do see patterns of, particularly at this age. And, you know, I wonder, because you can talk to her about, you know, don't touch your skin, you're making it worse. And, you know, sometimes we get locked into a, a feeling in ourselves that even somebody from the outside making a genuine, helpful suggestion can be perceived as a judgment. Even when you haven't, judge me. Yeah. If I'm locked into a nothing's right, I don't look right, I feel droughtful about myself and you say, oh, don't do that, it's going to make it worse you mean well, I hear you're telling me that I'm the problem and it really is as bad as I think it is. That's how I hear it. So, again, not that you're saying it, but that's how she she might be hearing it. And I wonder, based on that, if bringing her to a skin specialist of some kind, you know, if a dermatologist isn't an option because that can be an expensive route, um, a good kind GP or pharmacist in your local pharmacy could be a really good alternative here. And you could even talk to them first and you know, that she might be able to hear the same message from them in a different way than hearing it from you. Um, you know, and they could be saying things about, look, these are, you know, good, affordable, basic sure products that can help and one of the things you have to watch for is if you're popping um, spots on your skin is there could be some dirt in your fingers and then you're transferring that in and it could actually cause an infection and just explaining it to her and then you could you know buy again some good basic skincare really doesn't have to cost a fortune especially not at that age some good basic skincare and watch a tutorial together you know about taking care of skin not getting rid of spots because again that's a negative focus but looking at something that's about taking care of skin and have some fun with it at home you could make some skin masks out of you know an avocado or whatever you know there's lots of those online recipes for that you could do something a bit sensory and creative very nurture-based play with her around it as well but coming at it from an information gathering and that you're learning as well as her so Talking to right. the pharmacist or the GP or a dermatologist, right? So she's more likely her.
0: to take the information from them. I think so. Yeah, from you. I just with all what all the science breakthroughs going on in the last two years, particularly mm-hmm. with you know what you think things would have moved on with spots over the last thirty and, or and yet forty it doesn't, years. doesn't, You know, and yeah. there's
1: so much behind that. You know, um, in terms of what could be causing it, in terms of some of it's genetic, some of it is just unavoidable, some of it is amplified maybe not caused but amplified by diet there's a whole lot mm-hmm. of information gathering that could be gotten um, and a conversation with somebody I think if if you've a really good kind GP or local pharmacist that could be a really first yeah, step
0: absolutely um, listener says I remember um, having braces at 14 I thought mm-hmm. it was the most traumatic thing ever looking back now I'm so glad I have them. remind her perhaps that at this stage it's just temporary no matter how bad she thinks it is it will be gone it's from Aoife and I wonder if the 14 year old likes makeup perhaps then mm-hmm. trying it out together. And her mum introducing her to nice foundations or lipsticks yeah. might help the daughter enjoy her skin more and make it more of a fun rather than a negative association. And lovely uh, email in front or text in from Mike saying, um, I've been isolated with my wife and four kids in the ages. Are you ready for the ages now? Five, seven, eight and ten. Oh my God, Mike. Since the, <laughs> bless yourself. Since the 18th of December. Wow. As Covid slowly moves through the house, I've enjoyed downtime mm. and time with my kids and I've used it for a bit of uh, DIY around the house. This family time won't happen again. So just do the best we can and slow down to make this time special.
1: Lovely positive reframing yeah. and looking at it as an opportunity as well. Like it really is lovely way to, to approach it.
0: Or just to stop yourself though yeah. and remember that. And give that.
1: Ourselves permission to stop. I think yeah. that can be very hard. We move at a frenetic pace and we can actually forget that you're allowed to be sick and slow down.
0: I will never get this opportunity to um, serve as your jader again. <laughs> Not quite, I'm i we going for their time. <laughs> <laughs> Slob out is nine o'clock. <laughs> so. Um, let me see. This is, this is a serious enough one mm. for you. My husband's father is terminally ill. He's usually such a gregarious and happy figure. He is so good with our five-year-old daughter. She loves him finds him hilarious and great fun. But for obvious reasons, he's not able to maintain the happy demeanour he has had in the past. He's very sick and my daughter doesn't really understand why he can't play with her and doesn't seem like himself anymore. I've no idea how to explain this to a five-year-old. And any time I think about it, I can't think of any silver lining that I can give her. What should I do?
1: I'm just just so sorry for everyone in the family, you know, dealing with this this news. And there's, you know, no good time of year to get news like that. But I think this can be a particularly difficult time of year. And, you know, of course, that desire to silver lining something is so understandable. But again, it goes back to what we said in the first question about trying as best we can to avoid rescuing our kids from difficult feelings because our young children are capable of more understanding than we often give them credit for and sometimes if we really look on what's the most difficult part about telling news like this, it can be our own mm. discomfort and hesitancy and struggle with finding the words to say it. That is also I'd rather not say it so I avoid saying it or I say it in such a way that it's yeah. not coming out and there's just questions and confusion and you know With the best will in the world, there just there isn't always a silver lining option. There just isn't. And our desire to do that can pull us out of empathy, because if we're rushing to, you know, put a silver lining, put it. But, you know, look at it this way. Mm. We actually miss that opportunity to feel the sadness together, to bear witness to the difficult feeling and the difficult situation and truly empathize. Empathy being feeling with people. Not pulling people out of their feelings, mm-hmm. but feeling with them and letting someone know, we're, I, I understand it because I feel it too. And we're not alone in that. We're together in that. Um, and I think it can come from a, a really good place of, you know, but that rush to make it better is actually counterintuitive, really. Um, This is sad news and feeling sad is appropriate. So you have to give yourself and the children permission to feel sad because it is sad news. And take time with this because... When it comes to sharing sad news where we have our own feelings, it might be that we get upset ourselves. That's OK. OK. It is OK to say, you know, I'm feeling sad about it because it's sad. And when I feel sad, I might want to cry. And if you want to cry, it's OK. And even if I cried, you know what? I will be OK afterwards that you can talk about that and give permission for all feelings. I think what you could do is start a nice a memory book, Um, you know, writing down all the funny things that they have shared together, the laugh, the fun, you know, have granddad contribute to that as much as he is able at this stage. But you could start compiling lots of memories, photos. Would you do that now? Um, I would start doing that. You could start it yourself and I would involve again, I would uh, your five year old. I would involve your child once you know time is becoming more fragile and certainly afterwards. I I would definitely do it. But you can start compiling funny stories. So you would be
0: saying, you would be saying granddad's not well. Absolutely, um, I would.
1: Yeah. And I would use very clear language because if we use language like um, that children can't understand, all we leave them with is confusion. So keep it simple, but keep it honest. She's only five. You know that granddad is sick, you know, and it's the kind of sick that it's hard to get better from and that again I'm not I don't know enough about okay. this but it might be for anyone else who can relate to this that you know the doctors have tried really hard to come up with special medicines but so far you know things haven't worked out so granddad is still very very sick hmm. okay that might be enough for now okay and when it is time to have another type of conversation about that you might want to add in and again it's it depends on your own family belief system how you frame this so that you obviously I'm not giving you a script you know amend this to your own belief system but it can be that you know granddad's life is going to be over soon and when life is over it means that your heart doesn't beat anymore yeah. and your lungs don't breathe and you don't. we don't get to see somebody um, every day the way we did you know that you explain yeah. it because at five years old I have the capacity to understand this in clear language but the permanence of the situation is something I'm going to need to come back to you and ask you more and more questions about and I might need to hear the same information multiple times in multiple ways but sometimes if we keep too much from our children we don't allow them the opportunity to process it and to make meaning of it and it still affects them so I mean my own belief system is that you should tell children but in a developmentally appropriate way don't flood them with information and complex language don't use ambiguous language that they're like i don't really know what that means i'm now just confused keep it simple and it might be a conversation that starts with being sick and that you grow the conversation in accordance sure. with a timeline don't give me too much
0: too soon Okay, but don't try and minimize it, it seems to be no. a big thing
1: I, d- I just don't in any topic I don't think we should do that Okay.
0: Um, very uh, finally for you uh, my 12 year old daughter has developed a habit a pattern of sucking her thumb pretty much every night for years uh, I've done everything I can to try and stop it the dentist said it's probably anxiety related uh, but she's been doing it since she was 4 or 5 surely she didn't have anxiety when she was 4 or 5 she asked my daughter got a retainer recently I think it comforts her uh, to continue th- sucking her thumb but I'd like to wean her off it um, I don't want her still doing it as a teenager suggestions
1: yeah i mean that's a long time to be sucking your thumb isn't it that's quite an ingrained habit and i always think if any if any of us have the capacity to form one kind of habit even if it's a an unhealthy habit we do have a capacity to form a healthy habit as well you know we have that capacity for habit formation so that's helpful just to pick up though tom when the dentist said it was probably anxiety related i mean maybe it was Maybe, maybe it, it wasn't, wasn't. Yeah, you know i don't want you taking that as a guarantee because it may also have been a form of sensory seeking it might have been a comfort I wouldn't immediately jump to anxiety on that I just want to flag it there are people suck their thumbs and they are not anxious you know and some people you know and I'm sure we might hear from some of them suck their thumb well into adulthood as well but I would say she's 12 years old okay she's not four now she's 12 years old so you can talk with her about this and you could say you know be curious about it you know ask her um, you know how, how does it make her feel or when does she think herself that she likes to do it most and is it when she's tired is it when she's distracted you know Is it a time when she's looking for comfort? And don't forget to commend her on finding a way to help herself feel calm and comforted, if that's what it is. You know, aren't you smart to have come up with a way when you were little that made you feel better? But now that you're 12, I wonder, you know, because we're worried about your teeth. She's wearing a retainer. So not putting, putting a retainer on. And then good time do, to have that it's conversation. a really isn't good it? time. Yeah. And she's at an age where she can developmentally make sense of what yeah. you're saying. So you could talk about, look, we have that retainer on and you're doing really well with it. But if you keep sucking your thumb, it might limit... The work the retainer can do. So let's work on a new way that nice. you can feel comforted and that I'm going to help you. I won't ever give out to you about it, but I will help you. It's kind of gentle, kind, non shaming, verbal or prompt. Sure. Or I'll pull my ear when I see you doing it and that reminds okay. you not to. Give her a kind of fidget toy alternative, something she can, that will keep her fingers and thumbs busy um, instead of doing that and you could also do some nice kind of nurture pamper little session where you paint her nails and tell her now don't put that in your mouth because that's it you can't
0: Very good You're very devious at that. times I have to say Creative, creative Sorry was creative was the word I was looking for Yes indeed <laughs> <laughs> Joanna thank you very much indeed a pleasure as always and if people have more questions see you afternoon at newstalk.com We'll be talking about why our ancestors used to send and receive threatening letters as if they couldn't wait for the age of Twitter to arrive